Board of Commissioners. I want to welcome uh, Commissioner Mary Sackett, our, um, who, our, who was Commissioner-elect um, last week, but after her appointment by the governor um, to fill in the um, few weeks that Supervisor Connolly was uh, going to be gone. Um, she's now on fully on board um, on our Board of Supervisors and on the Housing Authority Board. So welcome, Mary. Um, and then our first item of business this afternoon. Oh, uh, one other note. Um, we will pull after, I think I'll, we'll do it after approval of the minutes just to give folks a second. I did let, uh, at our last Housing Authority meeting, uh, we pushed our um, public comment for items on, not on the agenda to this meeting, and I did have a request for to take that up first today. So we will going to we will be going to um, open time for housing commissioner for housing authority uh, matters that are not on our agenda today, um, or frankly last week, um, last month at first off. So is everybody okay with that? Okay, and then we will pick it up at the end for um, just because it's also listed at the end. So are there any members of the public that would like to speak on um, open time for public expression? And this is a carryover from our meeting of last month. And I'm not seeing anyone here in the chambers. Is there anyone online? Yes, Eva, please unmute. Thanks. Um, I am curious as to why the uh, the minutes look very much the same. The October minutes look very much the same as they did at the last meeting. It was my understanding that you would uh, take that off. And my concern was that uh, there was an omission of any reference to the Risley letter, which was a very important 1958 letter written by Bruce Risley in House 593 of Marin City. Um, and that uh, that letter creates, it, it provides a clue to a larger land claim for the residents, the black descendants of the shipyard workers. And it concerns me not only that Barbara Bogard and Lisa Bennett in their kind of hijacking of the Golden Gate Village Resident Council aims, um, that they themselves uh, refuse to discuss this letter, but that the Board of Supervisors, having uh, said that they will, they will include this letter, um, in the minutes um, has has apparently, and I don't know if I'm not reading it right, apparently not made reference to the letter. Uh, you know, we're seeing, we just saw uh, 26 descendants of a black community in Portland file suit against the federal government for destroying a black community in Albina. Um, so this is, this is really significant um, that, that the black communities all over the country, especially in Marin City, are permitted to pursue more legitimate and and more um, gainful uh, land claims rather than trying to uh, get some sort of a very weak share in a crumbling housing project, which was apparently designed by Aaron Green, uh, who you know to house only approximately one tenth. I thought it was one half, but it's it's, it's much closer to one tenth of the. Uh, population of Marin City at that time, which means that it was a very clear statement Thank you, on Eva. the part of the county that... President Reiser, no additional speakers in the queue. All right, thank you. So that will close our open time for last month's meeting. 
Um, and now we're on to item 15A, which is approval of the minutes of October 18th and November 15th. And um, Commissioner Rice, yes, can, go ahead. can I jump in? So last, last month we held off on the October minutes because of this uh, Grizzly letter, or Risley letter, excuse me. Um, we researched that. Uh, the policy that we do with our minutes, uh, our brief, uh, brief minutes that the, the board clerk takes, and then everyone is able to use the audio and the video recordings of the meetings to go into more detail. So all the public comment is not highlighted in the minutes, but it is all ar archived in the, um, in the video or the audio. Thank you. Supervisor or Commissioner Rodale? Yeah, I, I would just add that staff reminded me the practice that we have, which is to include the number of commenters and not the comments. The comments are on video, and i just like to say that we don't, aren't able to pick and choose what we would select, and that's a good thing, that, that no one gets chosen because they have something special to say, that everyone's uh, comments are equally, equally important. So, thank you. Um, and any public comment on the minutes, fifth, item 15A? Al? Yes, Eva, please unmute. Thank you. Um, I heard that response, and I'd like to uh, answer. First, it's not, you know, appropriate to say that the that the Risley letter itself, which was an archived uh, letter from the county archives, it's not appropriate to say that that was merely a matter of opinion. It's a valid document. It's an important document that was brought forward to you. Uh, from a member of the public, and you've made enormous time for wealthy white women who are connected to real estate developers, affordable housing developers, uh, to come in and be able to present, but you've, you've uh, omitted, you've uh, restricted uh, working class women from bringing forth uh, documents that actually make a larger land claim, a much more valid land claim for the black descendants of Moon City shipyard workers. Um, and I think that's really unfortunate. This wasn't a matter of opinion. It is an actual letter that I located in archives uh, that I brought forward to the attention of Barbara Bogard and Lisa Bennett. They rejected any consideration of it, apparently. Uh, and, and to have the Board of Supervisors declare that an actual archive document that gives a, a clue to a larger land claim uh, for this community, for this imperiled black community, um, for you to say that that's simply a matter of opinion and you, you, you don't want to pick and choose, this isn't a matter of opinion. It's a document that you should have included and put on the agenda decades ago. And that's what Risley's letter says. It, Risley's letter makes very clear that it was the county that segregated Moon City and it was the black residents' rent money that went into the purchase of Moon City from the federal government by the County Board of Supervisors. So therefore, it is a necessary Thank you, document. Eva. It was already- President Rice, there are no additional speakers in the queue. Can I have a motion to approve the minutes? I'll abstain. Motion, Arnold, second, Moulton Peters, to approve the minutes of the meetings of October 18th and November 15th. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. And one, uh, so that's unanimous, uh, except for the abstention of, of Commissioner Sackett. Um, we're on to 15B, Board of Commissioner Matters. 
Papers. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I, I believe Kimberly is going to do a presentation, but um, I just wanted to say um, there was a neighbor I had, Miss Hazel Goff, and she passed away on November 28th, and so I just wanted to say that she was an uh, inspiration to Golden Gate Village community, and she was a previous board commissioner, and she will be very missed. Uh, any public comment on, on Board of Commissioner matters? Is, it, is there anyone online, Al? Al? Oh, just for delay, President uh, Rice, there are no speakers in the queue. All right, thank you very much. Uh, so that with that, we'll move on to the Executive Director's Report. Okay, good afternoon, Commissioners. Well, today I'd like to begin by stating our appreciation as the Housing Authority um, to Commissioner Arnold for her 12 years of service as a Marin Housing Authority Board of Commissioner. You've been a strong advocate for our tenants, low-income housing, and affirmatively furthering fair housing. You've been a leader in protecting the rights of low-income renters in Marin by supporting the county's efforts to adopt the Source of Income Ordinance, which eliminated limitations on the provision of rental housing for people who receive third-party rental assistance, including the Section 8 vouchers that we oversee. You have been steadfast supporter of our public housing properties and perhaps more importantly, of the tenants who live there. Throughout the years, you have not hesitated to advocate on behalf of residents, step in to help address individual needs, or help mitigate neighborhood concerns. And I, I really do appreciate you and all that you've brought and your staff always calling and trying to work things out with us. And I will really miss you and thank you for your service. Um, with that, the Housing Authority had a small token of appreciation for you. Aww. Thank you. Well, you are one of my favorites because I have always, since the League of Women Voters, been in, worried about housing and wanting housing. And, and I'm proud of the county for having the um, equity so brought up at, as something that we really care about. And so um, thank you for all you do. And it is not easy. We've all seen that. And, but, you know, things are looking up. So... Thank you for what you do, and good luck. Thank you, and good luck to you in your retirement. Thank you. Um, we also want to thank Commissioner Connolly. He's not here, but Mary, um, for for all of his support over the past eight years on the board on the Housing Authority's Board of Commissioner. Commissioner Connolly has consistently advocated for meaningful change. He advocated and supported for our Landlord Partnership Program. This program helped to retain and recruit landlords in our Housing Choice Voucher Program. His efforts and vision allowed Marin Housing, to, to, sorry, allowed Marin to increase the number of landlords working with our program and allowed Marin Housing Authority to increase the number of vouch vouchers issued in our county. Prior to establishing the Landlord Partnership Program, Marin Housing Authority had many unutilized Housing Choice Vouchers resulting in less affordable housing units in Marin County. The Landlord Partnership established new landlord partners that allowed Marin Housing to serve more people with affordable housing. This program design was, has become a best practice all over the nation 
actually the housing the Marin Housing Authority has spoken at many conferences and given a lot of other housing authorities all of the the bones of our program and I want to credit um, Commissioner Connolly for really making that come true. Uh, I remember sitting in his office back in 2015 trying to get this passed and he made it happen. So I, I want to really thank him. Um, he's also worked hard to help adopt the, the Just Cause Eviction Ordinance in unincorporated areas of Marin, which provided tenant protection for Marin renters. Throughout his time on the board, Commissioner Connolly has consistently worked to ensure we were providing the best possible services to our most vulnerable residents of Marin County. So in, in a thank you and in gratitude, we want to thank Commissioner Connolly for all that he's done. And we have a really small token of appreciation um, that we want to provide to you, Mary, that you can pass on for us if you don't mind. Did we do it again? Okay. Great. Thank you. And then we also want to honor a longtime resident, as Commissioner Canson mentioned. If we could show, here's a picture of um, Hazel Goff. And Hazel Goff was a very longtime resident of Marin City for 40 years. Um, she helped the community as a foster parent, a child care provider, and held a seat on the Marin Housing Board of Commissioners to represent the community and express concerns from 2001 to 2007. She will be missed and remembered by many. Her life will be celebrated on Friday, December the 16th at 11 a.m. at the Cornerstone Church in Marin City. So we just really want to honor all that Miss um, Goff has done for this community. I suggest that we adjourn in uh, Miss Goff's uh, memory. All right. Thank you. All right, and now I want to move on to our Golden Gate Village revitalization update. With your board approving the resolution to reposition Golden Gate Village, we have received a letter of support from HUD. From this letter dated December 2nd, Gerard Wint, Office of Public Housing Director states, congratulations to Marin Housing Board of Commissioners for approving the resolution to reposition Golden Gate Village. This is a significant step forward, making Golden Gate Village a better place to live for the Golden Gate Village families. HUD supports the Marin Board resolution to renovate all the units at Golden Gate Village, create jobs, provide additional services to residents, and maintain the affordability of Golden Gate Village units. The department is also pleased to hear that the Golden Gate Village plan will continue to resolve the overhousing situation at GGV as part of the timeline you provided to HUD in your corrective action plan. Overhousing is a major concern that is important to resolve this challenge timely. Please continue to work on reducing and eliminating GGV overhousing and provide updates to our office. Since maintaining the units at GGV is also very important as the repositioning process progresses, continue to assist residents with any issues that arise in their units addressing health and safety issues at Golden Gate Village must continue to, to remain a priority at Marin Housing. And I, I wanted, I, I really wanted us to all, I, I put this also, this, the, the letter in, in the board packet so that everyone could see it, but it is a very good, a supportive letter from HUD, our funder, that is uh, really working with us as we move this process forward. And as we continue to move forward with the repositioning of Golden Gate Village, um, one of the issues I wanted to address today is our 
over housing. So I've asked Craig Patterson from Patterson and Associates to provide a brief update to our progress towards addressing the over and under housing at Golden Gate Village. And Craig is on the Zoom. Can everyone hear me okay? Yes, we can hear you. Excellent, I'm sharing my screen. I hope that you can see that also. Um, good afternoon, commissioners. On behalf of the Marin Housing Authority, I'm pleased to present the information that we've been providing to HUD on a monthly basis and also to the redevelopment subcommittee. What you have upon your screen is data as of December 13th. This is the dashboard that we send to HUD on the first of every month and that we use internally as a team to monitor the movement and the addressing of overhousing at Golden Gate Village. Um, some key points are that in January of 2002, with this overhousing crisis, there were 87 households that were overhoused, meaning that of the 294 units at Golden Gate Village, Golden Gate Village was 33.5% overhoused. I'm pleased to report that as you look at the, um, the graph, that we're now at 16% overhoused or 47. So uh, over 40 households or so have been addressed or in the process of being addressed. We have three additional households that will be moving in the next uh, 10 days or so. But just to give you that in context, that means that the Marin Housing Authority has surpassed the corrective action plan goals for March 2023 in December of 2022. That's pretty amazing. So if we can look here at the graph, in February of 2023, the goal was 54. We're already at 47, and that's what the March goals were. Just in three more homes being moved or households will achieve the April 2023 goals for overhousing because this is where we're at right now. Uh, what does that mean overall for Golden Gate Village in the community? What it means is that as these units are being turned over, we're addressing health and safety and any items in them. So our residents, 40 residents are living in better conditions and the units that they moved out of are going to be in better condition. And as HUD looks at it, one of the, the powerful reasons that they really appreciated getting this update, it means that we might be able to submit an application three to four months ahead of schedule. And anything that we can do to expedite the schedule is amazing. So our hats off to the, the staff and team at Golden Gate Village, the property manager, Kimberly Carroll, for her leadership and the board of commissioners for telling us not too long ago to put the pedal to the metal and to do the right thing and to be humane in all that we do and that's taking place. Uh, I'm available for questions. Thank you, Craig. And then I also wanna, over the past few months we have completed unit inspections of 100% of our Golden Gate Village public housing units. These inspections have generated additional work orders that staff and vendors are currently addressing. The inspection results also help to inform our staff how best to allocate our limited HUD capital funds for capital improvements. So working in parallel, maintaining our public housing property and as we look forward, in towards the deep revitalization of Golden Gate Bill Village. I've asked Adrian Chorley, our Director of Development and Community Revitalization, to provide a brief update on the health and safety maintenance repairs being addressed and planned in our public housing community. Thank you, everyone. So I'm just gonna run through a brief breakdown of what we've done 
this year. Um, some of it was done before I came on board in June, but a lot of it has been done since then. And I also want to acknowledge Mike Cutchin, who's now our Director of Facilities and Maintenance, and he has made a large impact in what we're doing with our maintenance schedules now. As you're aware, we had two burn units, 115 Drake Avenue and 231, Unit 231, that burned back in, I believe it was 2017. Those are almost complete now. We're still waiting on windows. That seems to be an issue, obviously, in this day and age, windows. But uh, 115 will be finished shortly, and 231 is, is practically done. Uh, unit turns, as Kimberly mentioned, we've done a lot of them. Uh, we're close to 30 now that we've actually remodeled to various degrees. That includes some of them having new cabinets, other of them actually having painted the cabinets, but new countertops, new fixtures, new appliances. We've put new flooring in most of the units, things that are, we felt are necessary because of the state of the actual unit when we took it on. When it comes to fire breaks, we've obviously worked with the MCFD as well, and we've cleared, I'm sure you've seen, a significant amount of the hillsides around Golden Gate Village. One of the things that came up that we noticed after we'd cleared all of that vegetation was that the culvert piping system that was on the hillside where we receive water from 101 had actually collapsed back in October of 21, and that's what caused the erosion. That was actually fixed. We only just found this out, present staff, I'm saying, just found this out. So we actually have video of it being repaired. So we no longer have an erosion problem in that area, even though we still have sandbags around the backside of those properties, but they're actually in good shape now. So I just wanted to give an update on that. Um, we've had tree removals done, as you know, had a large acacia done. We've had water heater, water heater replacements um, on various properties. We're still addressing issues with the boilers in the high rises. They seem to be failing consistently now. Um, we've replaced one to the tune of 32,000. We now have another one that we're going to have to replace, and I'm sure we will have to continue to replace them until we get into our deep rehab with that. We've had all of our hydropoint controller systems repaired and put in service again at Golden Gate Village as well as the other AMP2 properties that we have. We are going through with irrigation repair work through an independent contractor right now for things that should have been addressed earlier and then now being addressed. We now have cameras, security cameras, at our central office, all of our other AMP2 properties, at the office at Golden Gate Village, where the warehouse is, and we're in the process of getting ready to install the other cameras that we said would be installed. We're waiting on a cellular service to be hooked up for that to take place. So we have another five, I think it is, at Golden Gate Village that will be installed at the parking lots facing out. All of our heating ducts in the low-rise buildings are going to be serviced for the first time in our recollection. Uh, that'll be in January 30th. We are trying to get a couple of them done right now, but Coit, who we've contracted with, are completely booked. But they've said that they will go through all of them beginning January 30th. We've also cleaned all of the registers, filters, on all of those units. And as far as we can get actually physically into the duct work, we've cleaned out. We have out for bid 
for asphalt, for repaving, that's taking a while. We put out six different requests to different companies, and we've only had two respond so far. So we're hoping we get the third one, Gelati, to come in within this next day. I believe, Mike, you're meeting with them on Thursday? Yeah. And as far as dollar amounts go, we know that we've spent overall in the capital fund about 1.5 million. Actually, it's a little bit more than that now. Just in this year. Part of that is with the $600,000 grant that the county gave. It's also to do with insurance reimbursement that we will get once we've actually finished 115 and 231. But we had to do an outlay of capital in order to do it for it before we get reimbursed. Let's see. So then what I want to finish with is actually an update for what's coming. So for the first quarter of next year, 23, we will hopefully have our HVAC systems installed for all of the low-rise units. We're going through the 106 process. We're also getting more funding through our EPC2 funding as well. That actually is in the approval stage with HUD right now. In fact, I spoke to Todd Green this morning, and he's waiting for that package to actually come to him. We are also going to be installing weather stripping at all of the units. We have the budget for that. It doesn't cost a lot of money, but it will have a significant impact on the weatherization of all of the units. Unfortunately, we don't have enough money to be able to replace windows at Golden Gate Village. We already allocated replacement of windows at Venetia Oaks, which was promised to those residents several years ago. We're now addressing that. If we get funding of some type that comes up or a grant, that would be wonderful. And then we could devote those resources towards replacement of the windows, especially in the low rises. We're working on utilization of the community space by the resident council and residents of Golden Gate Village, as well as other nonprofits in the area, because we want community engagement. As I'm sure you're aware, we're already doing a bi-monthly meeting with residents, myself and staff, to see what their issues are, what they would like to see fixed. In the last meeting that we had, they mentioned heating. So we've been addressing that, obviously. And then finally, some good news, is that John Hanley of youth to work reached out to us, and we are going to be collaborating with him and his workforce to start working on doing things like repairing fences, and also doing the weatherization utilization that we've talked about. So had a great conversation with him, happy to have him on board. We need all the help that we can get. Great, thanks Adrian. You're welcome. I really just wanted to make sure that you as the board are aware that we are continuing to do the, the overhousing and continuing to do the, the maintenance and capital projects as we're moving forward to the, into our revitalization. And, and with, with these next steps in our revitalization journey, Marin Housing will be seeking a redevelopment partner. This partner will help MHA achieve the goals outlined in our Golden Gate Village revitalization plan. To select a developer partner, Marin Housing will use a, RFQ, a, a request for qualifications process. This RFQ process will explain our plans to complete a historic green renovation preserve the existing affordable rental units, enhance services for residents, and create an endowment. Marin Housing is seeking a partner who is aligned with our mission 
and plans for Golden Gate Village. Development of the process and selection of a partner will rely, um, a partner will rely upon feedback and recommendations from Golden Gate Village Development Partner Evaluation Committee. This is a newly formed committee that will include a diverse collection of skills and experience. The committee will include nine members made up of residents with lived experience, professionals with technical experience, and Marin Housing staff. We plan to bring a development partner contract for your approval to the board in May of 2023. And in, collection with, in collaboration with the county, Marin Housing will be seeking a Golden Gate Village revitalization project manage, manager to support this important rehabilitation project of Golden Gate Village as a family affordable rental housing project. And we'll also be collaborating with the county to hire a director of resident services to help bring on-site services to Golden Gate Village, find new resources, and collect service and connect services to residents' needs. We will have these two positions filled by, by the, quarter, the first quarter of 2023. So I really want to say thank you to the county for their partnership in helping to establish these two new positions that will really help move our, our goals and, and, um, and mission forward. We have scheduled our first listening session. In addition, I want to say we also have cre created our first listening session with Golden Gate Village residents as we create the GGV Endowment Fund. <laughs> our first session is scheduled for January 5th with the residents, and we are, we are also hoping to, we were also planning to meet with Marin Community Foundation to help establish this endowment fund <laughs> and create an advisory committee for this fund. So that's the next really exciting step, and again, we hope to be uh, really getting started and initiating some of those funds by quarter by the first quarter of 2023 so we are being we are really moving moving this forward and then just want to give some quick updates of other things at the housing authority and tell you that through working diligently with the huds um, housing choice voucher shortfall team marin housing has been awarded additional rental subsidies in the tune of uh, almost $3 million to cover the shortfall for our, two, our, our 2022 um, funding. That and the shortfall was really created from due to increased rents and decreasing incomes because the rents, the subsidies that we play, the housing assistance payments, are based on the 30%, the, the resident pays 30% of their income and then we pay the difference. And so the rents are going up and if, if folks' rents are go, incomes are decreasing due to the economy and other things, we're picking up a larger share, which resulted in us having a shortfall this year. But HUD has given us those funds, so we're, we're moving our way out of shortfall so that early 2023 we'll start being able to pull people off our wait list again. We also, in September, we received 17 new fair share vouchers. These are the special vouchers from HUD. We were able to continue to, to, to um, issue those vouchers along with a few other vouchers that we had. And with, with the housing navigation team and our staff, we were able to utilize 90% of these vouchers already, and we just got them in September. The lion's share of them have gone to Golden Gate Village residents who are transferring out of um, out of Golden Gate Village using their vouchers to either live in Marin City or anywhere else with the, with the Section 8 vouchers. And that was, as you recall, that was a newly um, created preference that we put in place for the overhousing family. So we were really able to utilize those quickly and help folks get new housing. 
We've recently been awarded additional VASH vouchers in partnership with the San Francisco VA that we're starting to allocate and get, that get the, the veterans, more veterans housed through this program. And then lastly, I just want to let everyone know that we have our home ownership department will be hosting a first-time home ownership workshop for Golden Gate Village residents, and that's going to be January 25th and 26th in Golden Gate Village in our new community space at 105 Drake, and it will also be uh, presented by Zoom. And we are offering this workshop in preparation of a, one of our BMR homeowner units that is coming available in March of 2023. 20, so we're really hoping to provide a lot of information for first-time homeowners. And I have left some, some uh, flyers up here if anyone's interested. And before I close, I do want to acknowledge that um, Ms. Hazel Golf's daughter, Jacqueline Hall, is in the audience. That she, oh, both. I'm sorry. Both of her daughters are here. So we, we did honor your mom. And I, I just want to make sure that you know that they are in, in the room as well. All right. That, that closes. That's the end of my director's report. Thank you. Questions? Uh, yes. Commissioner Hall. Uh, I have actually a couple questions. So um, with this partnering of uh, the jobs for the fences, uh, I'm just curious as before we go outside, are we considering as a priority hiring the young, some of the young people in Marin City? I mean, that's, that's, that's where there should be a start there because there are a lot of capable young men who live there and the opportunity for them to get work and you know which will actually stabilize them more and maybe they can become tenants in, in Moran City but the availability of them being able to get the jobs I think that uh, for me you know that should be a priority one to start as we start to look for people who are, have the capabilities to work, they should be on that list. And we should start not like wait later. We should start now and try to focus on getting some type of training going and getting people signed up, either be VA, the residence council, or because I know the staff in Marine City is kind of overwhelmed, but be able to get some type of sign-up going. And also, number two, uh, Boilers. I I remember when we moved in to the low rise. I remember when all those high rise buildings came online. And the point, the reason I'm making this point is all those boilers started came online at the same time. And my concern has been going back before this it was the domino effect that we'll have. One boiler goes out, the next one's gonna go. That's got a lot of money to be really uh, trying to figure out what to do here because those boilers are going to go and pretty soon maybe one will go down or two will go down. But I distinctly remember when they fired up all those buildings because we used to play in them when they were, before they were online. And so, as you said, we've had, that's a lot of money to spend for a boiler. So, so at some point, I wouldn't want to see any tenants being in a cold, cold building during this, this winter time. So is there anything that could be done now as we check these borders to try to do some preventive stuff to try to get us through this period before we switch over to electrical or whatever? But 
that's something that I'm really concerned because those buildings get cold and they get wet too, as they exist right now. So uh, that's something that uh, I'm just curious is how we plan to fix that. Let's address the boiler issue first. Absolutely, it's an, a huge expense and as I said, they seem to be failing one after the other now. So I fully expect all of them to fail probably within the next two seasons. We have um, space heaters that we provide to the residents as these things happen. So that's how we're going to address that particular issue because while those boilers are down, it could be a week, two weeks. My hope is that we actually order and have one spare ready to install. Right now we're a bit behind the eight ball on that because we've had one fail. We have another one coming to fail, right? It's failing right now. So I've ordered another one, but I want to order yet a third one in case we have another one go down so that we're only down for hopefully a week at a time with that. Um, and it is a concern because those buildings are, they're damp. It's, I'm English, in case you didn't know. So I'm used to rising damp and things of that nature, and it's a big issue in the brick buildings that we have in England. And Golden Gate Village, those high-rises are big concrete boxes that sweat, and they, they have moisture constantly. It's, a, it's an issue, and it's something that we're going to be able to address when we do the rehab. Um, it's not going to be easy, but that's what we're going to address with that. And then on your first point with the, um, John Hanley and his crew, that's exactly what we're doing. It's youth from not just Marin City, but we're focusing on youth from Golden Gate Village. So they're going to be involved in this. They're going to be trained how to do carpentry, th various things of that nature. So that's what John Hanley is all about. Okay, and then briefly before we go. So if we go to space hitters, is, is the tenant going to incur the electrical costs or are the agencies going to bear that? Because you don't want to transfer that on to the tenant because that's a responsibility of ours as to as far as the heating maintenance there. So if someone's heater failed and they have to plug in, you know that the PG&E goes up here. Dramatically, yeah. Kimberly, I'll let you address that. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to make exceptions for that with our utility allowance because right now we don't pay, nobody pays heat in the, in the high rises because it is a boiler system and so it is paid by the housing authority. So we would have to, to, to make an exception for those buildings if, they, uh, if we're down for any period of time. So we will look into that. Thank you. Uh, Supervisor, or Commissioner Canson. Okay, <coughs> just, just briefly, I do appreciate that journeyman. I did see that in the um, first-time homebuyers thing, so I, I like that. Um, but um, um, just because that's the last thing you just mentioned, as far as the boilers, I know that um, in my building in 419, our boilers have gone out um, three times this year, and maybe once a year since 2020 and it's been out for a whole week um god rest her soul miss hazel used to be the person that would go down there and talk to the guy and say how long are you going to be here are you fixing it yet <laughs> and, and um they didn't always pass out heaters um um, I, I, you know, I think uh, our previous executive director, I had to call Mr. Jordan one time and say, look, we, we haven't had heat for a week. What's going on? And then, you know, he gave heaters to whoever asked of it. Um, he was always uh, well-versed. I know when it rained one time and they were getting flooded in those uh, buildings, he was kind enough to say, um, 
let me check with uh, Miss Hazel and there's another resident um, on the lower floor to make sure they weren't flooded out and make sure that they had enough heat. Um, but yeah, those those boilers. The other thing I want to check with the boilers is the gas issue. Now, I know the last time me and Mike dealt with this, but there is a still a little bit of leakage, leakage of gas. You can still smell it. And I know they turned it down a little bit, but you can still smell it. And so when you're dealing with the boilers, I would like somebody to address that issue because at some point you're going to have to put that flute up to the top or you're going to have to do something different because you can smell it. Um, and, I mean, you can smell it when you use the hot water, if you want to know the truth. So it's just something to take a look at. Um, the other thing is um, you guys cut down the vegetation, and I had a resident in 419 that pointed out to me, especially by that big redwood tree um, next to 419, that the people that did it left these stumps that are kind of sharp and short, and I have pictures on my phone if you want to take a look afterwards, that are kind of dangerous for kids or anyone, you know, if they walk over there, because they just kind of left the stumps like that. So, um, and then... Um, um, the, the, if you don't, I know you said something about paving the driveway. Um, maybe something in the meantime, maybe you could put some gravel in there. I know that Miss um, Carol and was it Evan? Evan, yeah, they at least did that um, because something is better than nothing. And those potholes, like, especially because you have potholes and then you have that sharp dip in the driveway for some reason. And I'm, you know what I mean? And people are all constantly scraping their cars. Um, so that's the other thing, and um, sorry. <laughs> um, and then I appreciate that you saying that uh, Venetia Oaks residents were promised those uh, double-pane windows, but I I'm pretty sure Golden Gate Village was promised something similar in the past, and something definitely needs to be done because, like you said, they're sweat boxes, and when they're not sweat boxes, they're cold as ice. Um, and it's like a constant back and forth, you know, that cement. Um, at the very least, I keep thinking, as you said, weather stripping, that's a good idea. At least do something. I keep thinking, why haven't, why can't we at least put screens on the windows? You know what I mean? Because you're right there by trees. The forest is right there. Maybe you could at least put screens. There were screens in the original plans um, that were drawn up for Golden Gate Village. So maybe check out. You know, maybe screens are an option, so at least have people not have to be right there and have bugs flying in all the time because that's a problem. Uh, I think that's it for now. <laughs> Did you want to respond? Yeah, I mean, again, Ms. Kenson, these are all issues that we're aware of and that we're trying to address. You know, I mean, that's, that's part of it. And, you know, we're, as we work through these, it's like with the boilers. You know, it, the design of these systems is faulty. That's part of it. You know, and so as we get through, when we do our rehab, the deep rehab, we're going to change everything out, and that will help the building envelopes, weatherization, things of that nature. Um, we're going to have to change the design of those high-rises in some way with insulation, uh, the walls themselves between the, the units, you know, they have basically a six-inch poured concrete wall with penetrations through it, right? And we have penetrations that run all the way down from ground floor all the way to the top as well, which are weather gaps. You know, I mean, they allow moisture to flow from one building to the other, from one unit to the other. 
Oh, I know I have bubbles on my ceiling for my neighbor upstairs. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, these are all issues that we're looking at and that we're trying to address. And, and I get that and I appreciate that, but my concern is, and I know we just voted on the plan and I'm, you know, I'm trying to move forward, but my concern really is, is when we sit here as a housing authority and we say, yeah, we're going to get to it with the revitalization. We have to have some kind of empathy for the people that are still living under these conditions. I know that mold is in different buildings. You know what I mean? Um, every building has mold. They got mold down at Ridgeview, like I <laughs> down down. But but that's not. But but when we're talking about Golden Gate Village, if you have rats at your house or you have mold somewhere else, when you're talking about this, you're talking about community that has been facing the issues over time. And it's not necessarily the fault of the people that are, I know you guys are trying to do the best job that you can, but you have to understand these people are living in these circumstances and it's, it's not, you know what I mean? And they're trying to get through and I know you guys are trying to address it. I know you got a whole, oops, sorry, a whole thing of stuff to address. So you, you know what I mean? You can only do so much so fast, but um, I think that's what I want to see is that we um, try to find some ways. And I, so I appreciate the different apartments that you're trying to move people to, to get them through. Um, but th that's what it is. It's just the, the life factor is, is understanding that, you know, when you're living in wet cement, you know what I mean? When you're living in it, it's not easy. Um, and these are, these are lives that we're dealing with. And so uh, everybody deserves to live, you know, as best they can. Um, because we all want to live in decent surroundings, and um, it's just hard. It's just hard sometimes, and I, I appreciate the work that you're trying to do. I appreciate your plans coming up, and I you, thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Kenson, we, we absolutely hear you, and we are e eager to get this project started and the revitalization going. And in the meantime, I really want you to know we have a really strong team who has this and has lots of experience in construction management and are working on trying to use the limited capital dollars we have to patch and do whatever we can to keep everything really safe and, and healthy in the interim. And this is Mike Kuchin, and I, did I get that right? Kuchin, I'm <laughs> sorry, you looked at me. Um, and um, I, I'd like him to just share really quickly on one of the other topics that she brought up. Thanks, Sarah. You were, you were talking about the, the boilers and your concern about the exhaust. The boilers in the mid-rise buildings, they vent to the roof. So, so you were saying they should, yeah, the boilers vent to the roof. Only the high-efficiency water heater was venting horizontally. And that's the one that PG&E looked at and tested. And yeah, at the end. Yeah, at the end. But, but here's my concern about that. So if we're talking about that, and I, I apologize, you're right, it was the water heaters. Here's my concern about that, is that at the time when, when we, before PG&E first came in and did that thing, so PG&E came in, you turned on the water, it, so if we want to get down to it, it went up to 15% natural gas immediately. As soon as you turned on the water, because I was standing right there, and so it was maintenance, and then you had the people come out and adjust the temperature, right? Right, they came out and adjusted the temperature and played with the boiler settings a little bit, and then PG&E came out and said, "Oh no, it's not escaping." But at the time of day that they tested it, nobody was really home to use their the, water. The initial, so how are you testing it? The initial concern that was expressed was about carbon monoxide in, in the unit, and so we had a third party come out and test, 
over the course of a weekend, and the carbon monoxide level, levels never got anywhere near the, the, the threshold for it considered to be dangerous. What the gentleman from PG&E indicated was that anytime you have a large boiler system like that, when it first starts up, you're going to get a little bit of a, of a unburnt natural gas. And, and this, is, this, is, this is probably a little bit of the smell she was getting. And they did adjust it, so that came down. The PG&E uh, employee came out and ran their test, and you were there at the end, said that it was 100% safe. And even before that, he said, unburnt natural gas is not the same kind of a risk factor as carbon monoxide. Carbon monoxide is a thing that we all worry about in our, that's why we have the detectors. I, I think we worry about carbon monoxide and natural gas. Ask the people in San Bruno. I think we worry about both of them. So uh, all I'm saying is, uh, and we don't have to go back and forth, I understand what you're saying, but I'm just saying, just I, I'd be happier as, as, you know, as soon as possible. I understand Absolutely. what you're saying, and, and, uh, and I can you know, we, say as a housing authority, yes, we're doing what we can, but all I'm saying is when you're dealing with a boiler, like you guys are trying to do the bill, or you know you have to replace it, um, you know, it's just something to keep an eye on because I know when I'm in that laundry room and no laundry's going, I can smell it. When I'm sitting on Mrs. Hazel's balcony, I can smell it. Now, natural gas may not be as bad, but let me tell you, it's not healthy smelling natural gas. So, so you can't tell me that it doesn't affect you. So we don't have to go back and forth about it. I'm just making the point that I just want it to be something that, you know, you keep an eye on until the revitalization happens. Absolutely. We'll make sure that everything that we do out there is 100% safe and up to code and, and that we're creating a safe environment for the tenants as we can. Right. And, and testing regularly, just preemptively, so I would say. All right, thank you, Commissioner Canson. Uh, Judy, or Commissioner Arnold, is your? Nope, all right, anybody down here? To the left, Supervisor, or Commissioner Moulton Peters? Oh, just a couple of things. I wanted to invite, uh, welcome Mike to the, uh, our staff, and thank you for being there in the bi-monthly meetings you'll be doing, hosting with the community. I think that's great to take their input, along with Adrian. Um, I wondered on the potholing issue if public works could be called into service here. They do potholing on our roads, and I, I wonder, depending on the size of your job, if a call to uh, Rosemary Gaglione. Would they help us with that? That, we, that would we, be amazing if they would. We can were. ask. There's no, there's yeah. no reason. I mean, we are public housing, so... Well, yeah. I think I think <laughs> it's a matter of you pay for it, but they, they, it, there's probably a way to work out using the crews that do potholing. So I, it's worth a question mm -hmm. uh, yeah, to sure. our director of public works, and I encourage that. Um, and uh, I also just wanted to encourage, since both of Ms. Goff's daughters are here and, and maybe didn't get to see the photo, or if you'd like to comment, we're glad you're both here, but maybe before we go to the budget uh, that we could just reopen that for a second in case they'd like to make any remarks. Y yes, would we be, Alexis, could we put the photo back up? Thank you. All right. Very good. Okay, so now um, any public comment then on um, the executive director's report? Anybody here? Seeing none. Are there um, folks online, Al? Yes, the first speaker is Eva. Please unmute. 
Thanks. Um, I'd like to point out something I witnessed in San Rafael today, which I think puts the lie to much of what Ms. Carroll uh, put forth. Uh, a black veteran, a black Marine Corps veteran who was trapped in Damon Connolly's uh, internment camp slash SSA underneath the freeway. This was a police run homeless internment camp that Damon Connolly and uh, Mike McGuire and Mayor Kate Collin put together. Um, it had no bathrooms, running water, no showers, no emergency medical equipment, and absolutely no health inspection from the county despite many requests from me. Um, this gentleman who was kept in that camp for over a year before they closed the camp, uh, and the county had informed me that, that they were housing him. And I found him today on the streets of downtown San Rafael in a tent. Um, and I was quite upset. Uh, so when the county says that they're looking at housing veterans, um, I think you need to take that with a, a grain of salt. Uh, and I think it, it also kind of indicates how totally inappropriate it was for Kimberly Carroll to praise Damon Connolly um, and also um, to welcome uh, Mary Sackett in the way that she did. Uh, I contacted Mary Sackett a number of times uh, about the SSA, about the inhumane conditions, the illegal conditions in which uh, the city of San Rafael, with the permission of the county, was keeping uh, those individuals, and she did nothing. Um, she is a medical malpractice attorney, uh, former, who uh, represented the interests of doctors and dentists, uh, not consumers. And that should tell you a little bit about what sort of a commissioner she will be. In fact, if you haven't noticed uh, what, sort of, what sort of leadership has been on MHA, you know. Anyway, uh, totally unacceptable to praise Connolly, and I think a lot Thank of you, Eva. saw from... The next speaker is Royce McLemore. Please unmute. Hello. There are some things I, I want to say quickly. Number one, as it relates to the the, uh, the lights throughout Golden Gate Village, uh, the lights are, many lights are out in the buildings, on the side of the buildings, throughout the entire complex. At night, it's completely black dark, pitch dark. It makes it very quite unsafe, and I was told that they're working on it. I've never seen it this dark at Golden Gate Village in 46 years. That's one thing. Number two, they were talking about the irrigation, but to be honest, the irrigation that was put in by Johnson's Control when they did it, it never worked to this day. So I don't know what they're truly talking about. As it relates to the painting and the fixing up, there's actually mold that are coming through the paint that has been painted. The mold was never treated. Um, we at Golden Gate Village, we definitely need double pane windows. Um, my utility bill was $344 for one month. And like I told Adrian and Mike when we met with them, that in fact, they should have came to the residence first instead of again thinking from outside that you know better than the people that are actually living in that condition. Um, the unit inspections, they need to follow through in terms of, of the inspections. And then lastly, what's happening for the residents 
who are not being tricked out of their homes that are here in terms of getting their units fixed up somewhat, like the half-ass job you're doing right now for the others. That needs to be addressed. Thank you. The next speaker is Johnson Reynolds. Please unmute. Yes, do you hear me? You hear me? Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah I, I'm resident of the canal. I'm, I, I'm from a distance. I'm following what's happening at Golden Gate Village. I'm in Marin County. I mean, in Mallory right now, but I, I live in the canal. I'm really concerned that you follow through with what um, Franson and Hall and McLemore have said. We need to be empathetic with the people that are struggling to live in Golden Gate Village. Uh, we need to resolve the heating and the uh, irrigation and uh, the double panes and all that kind of stuff. And uh, we need to deal with people that are uh, being uh, put into other places. Well, I'd like to get a, a, a word about the people that have left uh, because uh, are they actually, they have vouchers, but are they actually getting housed? We need to get a progress report on that. They need to have places to live fairly soon and by, by the right away. That, that's very important. And we need to have some people that are residents of Golden Gate Village actually going around with the people that do the work, people that know what's necessary uh, uh, in getting things repaired, uh, people that are there living and know what's going on about the boilers and about the heating and about the double panes and um, the irrigation. We need to have residents that know what the reality is, that we need to hear their word about those things. And then the final thing I'm concerned about is at some point, uh, home ownership, uh, perhaps leaving housing authority and moving in the direction of the uh, other plan, the residence plan for uh, uh, equity, limited equity uh, cooperative at some point, or at least each person uh, get a chance to do home ownership. That's really need to, that's really down there, down the road. We need to continue to work on that. So thank you. Proceeding rise, there are no additional speakers in the queue. All right. Okay, I'll bring it back here. Um, Commissioner Rodoni? No? All right. Yeah, uh, do we want to hear from Kimberly first? Or did you have a follow-up, Commissioner Canson? I, I did want to just make sure there was something about the lights. Um, he, Ms. McLemore mentioned something about the lights, and I will tell you, Mike, that uh, those lights that are above in those buildings, most of the lights on our stairway are out, and I know that's with most buildings. And I've reported it, and I've gotten told, oh, maintenance says, oh, we don't, they don't make those lights anymore. We're not ordering none of those lights, so I don't know what to tell you. So um, something, I mean, they are different, but so are these lights. And so it's really just about, uh, um, got a big job. I just want to respond that uh, yesterday I started the process. Royce left me a voicemail, and we are doing a survey um, tonight of, of lighting. And we're going to start the process of making sure any any fixtures have all fixtures have operable bulbs. It is true some of them, because of the historical status of the property, some of the lights are a little more tricky than others. But we are working around ways to replace them with 
if not identical, close enough lights and go through the 106 process on that. But in the meanwhile, we, we can certainly, yeah, I mean, lighting's critical for safety, so we'll make sure that everything is, is lit up as much as it can be. Kimberly? Yes, um, and, I, and I also just want to second what Mike just said. We, you know, having lights out is not acceptable, and no, an excuse of not having the right type of bulbs is not acceptable. We, we will get that addressed. So um, I, with the survey tonight, we'll have a better idea of what, what needs to be addressed. Um, I did want to just say that um, we, I do think that having um, Adrian and Mike meeting with residents and, and my maintenance staff a supervisor We'll be meeting with residents at least twice a month and in the, down in the site. They had their last one last week to really hear from residents what the issues are because I think that really helps us. We get work orders, but we need to really hear what the issues are that aren't coming through the work orders or we're not hearing so that they can have those addressed. And I think that is going to be that's something new we just started and we will continue. And I think that's going to help with a lot of these issues. I think... Um, I want to. I do want to because it, mold was brought up last month, and then also brought up again just a minute ago. Um, we do have a mold protocol, and uh, what w every time a, a, an order comes in, a work order, or we hear about um, the, any kind of mildew or mold, the staff knows exactly what to do. They've been trained on how to handle it in house. If it's a small, uh, I think it's a ten by ten. Um, um, if there's a, if it's a small amount, and if it's anything else, then we go to our next steps. So it is it is addressed anytime we know about it. Now, if we don't know about it, we we didn't know about it. No, a, a newly painted unit having mold, I really do want to see and and hear. So I'll have Mike follow up with that. And you know, again, the double pane windows, we are that is going to be one of those right up there on the very beginning when we get the funds to do it. Uh, because it is really, they are single pane windows. They, are, they do have air coming through them. We are going to try to look at doing the, the, re the weatherization and if there's some ideas on doing any honeycomb type um, window treatments on them to help. Maybe we'll, we'll can, uh, try to find ways to fund those in, in lieu of um, changing the windows until we have the funds. Because it is, we're having a 300 unit um, property which has I, you know, hundreds of windows and very different from Venetia Oaks. It's a much smaller property of 40 units um, that we are, are looking at changing windows at. Um, I think I wanna just, so I, I do, and I, and I hear you on the empathetic, being empathetic. We, we, we're, we are we are listening. We're having with our resident service team that will be get, beginning to start with us. We hear it, and we're trying to really hear and figure out best ways to to do what we can in the gap until we actually can get the funds to really do the full renovation. I, um, what time were those meetings? They were eleven o'clock. Yeah. Next one will be at eleven o'clock a.m on the 12th. Well, are they every month or every week? We're gonna do them every other, like bi-monthly. Okay. But because of the holidays, we skipped a couple of weeks and then I figured, you know, people won't be back, so we wanted to have everyone that could be available, available for that meeting. Is that a Monday, January 20th? The Thursday, I think. Okay, Thursday, okay, just wanted to make sure. Um, yeah, so um, I'll definitely start attending, but you know, I just had an idea. What about, you know, sometimes they put those, um, it's kind of like a tent on windows. Sometimes it helps keep heat in and blocks a little of the sun. Sometimes people put those on those windows to help with the heating and the insulation. Did you? 
the films, excuse me, the films you're talking about, as far as I know, are mostly to prevent heat from coming into units. Oh, they don't. Oh, they, okay. They're not really insulative in the way that they will keep heat in, in a unit once. Oh, okay. Uh, Commissioner Hall. I'm going to wait for Commissioner Walton Peters. No coverings. But Kimberly and I were talking whether they're uh, drapes with um, insulated backing or the. Anyway, window coverings are another possibility, and they're lower cost, so I think we should look at those too. Yeah, but blinds, but fabric, or the honeycomb blinds that go up and down. Yeah. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. They're great. Yeah, that's a good idea. Mr. Hall. Um, yes, I just wanted to uh, uh, get back to a comment about the windows and uh, as far as the funding. And for me, when we do the rehab, uh, uh, a total rehab, well, I'm, you know, I'm thinking that windows should be included in that. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, we can't half do the job, just do something and not do something else. Because this double painting issue has been raised long before we got to this point about the windows in Moran City. I think this is one of the things that uh, Ms. McLemore has constantly been bringing to the attention of this board, and I've heard it. So when I hear we have no money to do the windows in Marin City and it went somewhere else, that raises a red flag for me. And as we go through this uh, rehabbing and, and, and redoing, that should be part of the rehab. Mm -hmm. And so saying so, I mean, you know, it's just kind of like, uh, okay, you know, when things come up where we don't have money for it, but we find money to do something else. That's a problem. And, 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 and for me, that has to stop. I mean, we need to address these things. These are needs that we've been trying to get done for a long time. Uh, thank you, Commissioner Hall. I, I, um, I hear you, and maybe that is a, something we hadn't really thought about with the windows. We would have to go through the Section 106 process to confirm, because right now we can't change the windows without it, because it does affect the historic nature of the property. So we would we could begin looking at if we as we re, as we do renovation to these these few units that we're doing that that we look at how much it could cost and if that's something we can we can we can do. So we'll look into that. Uh, um, Mike will check into that. Thank you for bringing that up. And we also want to make it clear that in the in the large scale rehabilitation of Golden Gate Village, of course, replacing all the windows has always been part of the proposed scope. So it isn't. It isn't a matter that it hasn't been considered. It's just the funding for that project, of course, is going to be a whole different animal than the funding for running out and trying to replace, you know, 1,100 windows or however many there are on the property. Um, oh, I was just going to say, I think uh, a quick example is that um, of, of maybe us as Marin Housing looking at a situation and maybe choosing the wrong thing to start would be um, the air conditioning heating units for the low rises, um, which most residents are uh, uncomfortable with, whether or not, you know, it's 
going to be a great thing. Remains to be seen, but um, hopefully it will be. But I think that's what my fellow Commissioner Hall is talking about. Is like if we'd have thought about replacing those few windows, uh, or even just one or two windows, instead of doing that first, the windows would have been more important. So that's just an example of what I'm talking about. We do know that in the large grand scheme, you are changing out the windows, but you also got to remember that's not for a year or two. Can I just really quickly, so the, the heating, the air conditioning and the ener energy efficient heating systems will provide a lower cost to, to residents, but that is getting funded through our energy performance contract, not through our HUD, our HUD funds, oh, okay. and there's rebates, so we're pretty much, it's paying for itself to, okay. with the rebates and the incentives from the Biden administration. So all in, um, we, we did look into windows with that performance contract and, and it didn't pencil out. So oh, we couldn't okay. make that work, but um, I'm but glad good, you know you did look at it. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. it's just something like that. It's like, I think that's what Commissioner Hall means is that you know, um, us as as residents getting together with uh, us as Marin Housing is, I think what you're doing with the meetings that's a great way to say, okay, what do they really need instead of us thinking uh, maybe they need this because yeah. Commissioner Arnold. I just wanted to say in watching this, this, this question and answer period, this is, is really a good thing to see because we could never have something that gets this, gets this specific unless we had said, had voted to say, we're gonna have a budget and we're gonna go and do it and we're doing it. And I hope people see that, that, that when we're talking now about what we need and when you're telling us what we need, th this really didn't get to this level anymore. And that's what I think the people were wanting was a, the level where there was hope then to have it done. So I just wanted to point that out, that we should see that and we should, we should be happy about that. All right, so we are still on the executive director's report. Closing it up, I just want to make, make a couple comments. Um, one, I think it's great the bi-monthly or by every other week meetings with tenants to really hear what's going on. I think it would be great if Commissioner Canson could attend um, if it works for her schedule or maybe there's even tweaks to that time. Um, I also think that um, when, you know, in this conversation around what gets fixed when and with what money, um, there is something to be said for being strategic, both with the kinds of money that become available, um, but then also with regards to thinking about um, what is, we don't want to have to rip out something that gets installed in the short term as part of the larger revitalization, um, but also are there things that could be done in advance of a revitalization that would stay, in, and I don't know if replacing the windows could, could be part of that or not. Um, but I do think, you know, strategy is important and we need um, construction, you know, expert and contractors to be thinking about how that gets done. And then for those things that are really, you know, about, not, you know, comfort and safety and, and heat and cool, um, if, if it is something that's going to take longer to be done as part of the longer revitalization, maybe there is going to have to be some sort of compromise or some sort of um, alternative uh, just to, to get folks to get folks through. Um, I just want to. It's. I don't want to get into. I. I think it'd be a mistake to do piecemeal stuff without thinking about the larger picture. But we still want to be responsive, and so it's that's going to be the balancing act. So I wanted to also suggest that your tenant, the meetings with the tenants when things come up around what gets repaired, 
having a report out to the redevelopment committee, um, I think might be um, a good thing in, in terms of sort of where those things might align or marry up or how that process complements the day-to-day -day improvements that are being made. So I just want to suggest that. And then uh, congratulations on the additional um, vouchers, more vouchers coming in. We'll hear more about that in our next item. It's been um, really huge. And um, again, a thanks to Supervisor or Commissioner Conley on the sort of shepherding that landlord partnership program. It also took, you know, it was, that was again, uh, county general fund monies that helped fund that and get it going. And to Lewis Jordan, who really, um, really propelled that. And as you said, Kimberly, it's become a best practice. Um, and it started here. Uh, all right, so with that, yeah, go ahead. Um, yeah, I just wanted to make a comment, I think putting this into perspective, since we are dealing with a concrete building, mm -hmm. the six inch concrete wall is 1.23 of our value. A single pane window is 0.9. So there's really not much difference between the windows and the walls when we're talking about keeping the heat in or out. And I think that's an important perspective and why we're looking at a renovation project that will address all these issues, but I just wanted to put that in perspective. And, and today's building codes require R13 to R23 in the walls. So there's a significant deficit in this building because of the way it's constructed. So it's gonna take the whole rehab to really address all these issues comprehensively. I just wanted to say in response to that, Adrian and I have been, Adrian and I have been looking through some of the vacant units we have, especially in the mid-rise buildings that are concrete. And it's our intention to sort of take one of them down to the studs, as it were, even though they don't have studs, and, and start analyzing it for things like that so that when we do get a developer partner and design professionals involved, we sort of have a little bit of a head start. We were just talking about uh, doing rigid insulation along exterior concrete walls, things like that to address exactly what we were talking about. So we're we're thinking along the same lines and we're trying to make sure we we get, whenever we do our large renovation, we want it to be as thoroughly thought, for, thought through as it possibly can be. All right, so that we will move on now. Good conversation, good input. Thank you, Sarah, Romer. Um, on to item 15D and this, Oh, did you all want to speak on the executive director's report? I'm sorry, or about your yeah, mom come or on. anything? Yeah. Yes, come on up, please. Good afternoon, commissioners. My name is Jackie Hall. Thank you for acknowledging my mom's passing. I appreciate that. She was a really uh, big spurt, uh, spokesperson in Marin City. Um, what I want to talk about is about the vouchers situation. I know you said you guys have 90% giving out vouchers. Okay. I'm so angry. Let me calm down. So the thing is, I received a voucher. I applied for Section 8 for the third time in, in years. Um, I thought I was approved. I, I said I, they were told me I was a choice voucher, but they don't lead into what those pertain to. I mean, I need paper, and I need something in writing saying, okay, take this document, get your fingerprints done, everything done. None of that's been get offered to me. Although you, 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 Kimberly, have told me, you know, okay, you're getting this choice voucher. I have yet to see it. 
First of all, it took weeks for me to get into my portal to even say that I was chosen. I don't understand any of it. I leave messages everywhere. I've left several with, your, with you on your machine. I've left several with the main office on this issue. I'm floating. Um, I was already downsized, but I'm still in the three-bedroom, and I've been waiting for over four and a half months to get this moving so I can move out. Um, I have severe PTSD, and it's just getting worse. This is just, and then with my mom dying and all these things happening, and I'm still without paper in hand, documents saying what my voucher pertains to. I go to these landlords and look, and they're like, well, what? You don't have any documentation for us to look at to say where you'll be, like rent-wise, what percentage I'll be paying, or any of that. I'm just in limbo. I'm just in limbo. And I hear you saying about how many vouchers you've given out. Where's mine? It's not in my hand. Although I've been told, you get this voucher. I went on portal, everything, you get this voucher, but nothing's happened. I'm sorry. Kimberly will respond, but appreciate it. Okay, anyone else here in the chambers? And we already did go to folks online. Um, My name is Lillian Jeffries. I was, uh, I am Hayes Bluff's daughter. We lived in 419 Drake Avenue, and we got put. We got set up in an apartment, uh, a hotel, for three weeks because of the gas. Now I'm calling bull crap. I'm not going to say the other part, but I'm calling bull because you did your testing at one o'clock in the afternoon on a nice sunny day. Okay, no problem. Hey, cool. Every single night, along about one or two o'clock. I should say morning. One or two o'clock in the morning, that smell wakes me up out of a sound sleep. I don't know what it is. You say it's not carbon monoxide. You say it's not this, it's not that. Okay, fine. Well, what is it? You know, my mom is dead, you know, and my, her doctor, he said, well, it could be, it could be. We don't know for sure. Myeloma is a whole funny kind of thing. It has to do with your bones, but she's breathing this every single night. You put us out for a reason. Then somebody came in, did a test, do we know what you tested for? No, we don't. Do we know the results? No, we don't. But we live there. Why is it that you guys get to have the results, but we don't? But we live there. That's just like a contractor coming to your house, taking some surveys, ma'am, ma'am. and going. Can you oh, is my time up? No, I'm no, no, sorry. no, your time's not up yet. Can Look at you. Instead, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, I shouldn't victimize you guys because you're just doing your job. And it's your job to do your job. But the f- heck if you're doing your job. If there was a rating scale from 1 to 10, you guys got a negative 1 because you're not doing what you say. You send somebody out to do maintenance. You come home. Hey, did somebody come here? I don't know because you don't leave, you don't leave any kind of invoice, no information, nothing. We just, hey, that's not the way I left it. That's how you know somebody came. And I don't appreciate that. I really don't appreciate you coming in work. My mother paid rent. Do what you do and leave and don't tell us anything. All right. Back to the Section 8. Got 16 seconds or am I over? You're over, but, you know, but, but she'll, okay. she'll address I'm it. Okay, I'm very angry. 
Yeah. You know, I'm not just angry for myself. I'm angry for the other people that live there. We've had four am, people move gonna, out. I am going to. And, and gonna, get their Section 8. And we still have it. So that's it. And I appreciate you real, come, being here and speaking for yourself and, and for others. Um, it's really important for us I'm to hear. It's all right. It's okay. All right. That is the end of public comment on the administrator's report, but I will ask Kimberly and Mike maybe if you could respond. I, uh, well, I want to address first the, the, uh, the voucher. Um, Ms. Hall, I, um, I, last we spoke, we, you and I were in the office together, and you were going to come back and meet with the staff to finish the document. So I will follow up. I've just sent a text to my staff right now to see if I can get an answer. We will get you a voucher. That should be a very simple process to get the voucher to you. So um, I, don't, I, I will have to check in with my team. As far as le we do, all of our staff do leave notices in units if they come in and the resident is not there. There are, um, there are tags for that. As far, and, and I'm going to have to have Mike speak about the, um, the, the PG&E and the inspections of the 419 building. Um, I guess my only responsibility is I can get her the air quality test from the testing we did. It wasn't for one afternoon. It was a test that was taking place over 48 hours looking for levels of, of carbon monoxide. So I, I can get her that. Kimberly, I'm going to ask just with regards to um, protocol, following protocols, and even, even, even protocols around following up on a Section 8 voucher and what that process is, or uh, notifications to tenants in any of our, in any of our facilities, that, um, that just a, a check-in with staff to make sure that we have protocols that are in place and there's a way to double-check that, that they're getting done, that notice is being left, um, just the circle backs. And, and this isn't to be pointing fingers at anyone. Um, but um, let's just make sure we have good process and we're doing the best we can to make sure that um, tenants know that um, their, their issue has been responded to as best as possible, what the result was, or, and or following up on a voucher, what have you. And, you know, we're all human beings, but um, we can always improve. So, all right? Okay. All right. So uh, we are going to move on now to item 15D, and this is with regards to the t fiscal year 2023 Budget for the Housing Authority. I'm going to um, welcome Nick. How are you? Doing well. Good afternoon, uh, Commissioners. Uh, I have a, a presentation that I'm sharing on the screen. Uh, everyone can see that. Um, I'm presenting the fiscal year 2023 Marin housing budgets. Um, so overall, there's no major structural changes uh, from pr uh, financial perspective. Uh, housing Choice Voucher and Public Housing um, Program remain to be the two biggest programs uh, Marin Housing administer, along with a Supportive Housing Program, Home Ownership Program, um, and HUD uh, on federal level, state of California, uh, Marin County continue to provide funding for the work that Marin Housing does. Um, specifically, so for... 2023, Marin Housing uh, budgeted operating revenue for uh, around 89.8 million. Uh, that's an increase of around 11.1 million from last year, 2022. Um, out of this increase, 10.6 million is due to higher HAP funding. HAP is um, again stand for Housing Assistance Payment. 
Um, I'm gonna be talking about HAP, you know, uh, a lot. So I just want to give you a little, you know, background information. Um, as I said, you know, HAP is short for housing system payment. That's really the rental subsidy that Murray Housing received from HUD and pass on to owners, landlords. It is restricted and can be only used to pay for um, uh, rental uh, uh, subsidy and nothing else. Um, so 10.6 million of the increase is due to HAP, higher HAP funding available from HUD for uh, the Housing Choice Voucher Program. Um, and the remainder, uh, 4% or 352,000 is gonna be the increase to uh, uh, admin revenue. Uh, next page, please. Out of the total operating revenue of uh, um, um, 89.8 .8 million, 71, around 71.2 million is HAP revenue to cover HAP expenditure in housing choice voucher and the supportive housing uh, program. And around 18.6 million is for administration revenue. Next page, please. Total budget expense for 2023 is around 88, um, 88.9 million, which is about uh, around 11 million higher than last year. Uh, again, you know, 10.5 million of this increase is due to higher HAP expense. And utility rates increase and the material cost increases as a result of the inflation account for the remainder of the variance between last year, 2022, and uh, or this year, 2022, and the, uh, the budget year, 2023. Next page, please. Uh, next item, or next page is, is for payroll. As you know, payroll is the number one biggest uh, expense for any organization or company. Uh, for 2023, we are budgeting for 50 employees, including full-time and part-time. Um, out of the 50 employee, 43 are permanent employee, and seven are extra hire employee. Total salaries and benefits budgeted for 20, 2023 is around 5.9 million before factoring in the pension expense. In average, salary and benefit cost per employee is 118,000, around 118,000. With pension cost included, around 60, 63% of the payroll cost will be used to pay for salary. Uh, around 23 are used for uh, benefit, and the remainder 14 are for pension. Just to put, in, put, put that into a different perspective, uh, for every $1 spent on salary, around 36 cents will be spent on benefit, 22 cents will be spent on pension. Next page, please. 2023 budget for uh, HAP expense is around, again, 71.2 million, which is about 6.8 6 million increase uh, from 2022, uh, the current year 2022, um, due to increasing amount of rent increase requested um, during the year. Um, 
and the higher HAP expense will be offset with by the, the corresponding higher HAP revenue that's going to be received from HUD for 2023. As you can see from the chart, um, um, HAP expense continue increasing uh, in the past um, years, and in average, the increase is around in a, uh, between 11 to 12 percent. Um, and the reason for that is as rent increase, HAP expense uh, will increase because HAP expense is essentially the rental subsidy. Um, so that, uh, that chart shows the increasing trend for HAP expense. Next page, please. For 2023, um, we projected to uh, lease out 2,488 units uh, in the big HCV program cluster. And when I say that, I mean that includes HCV housing choice voucher program, um, mainstream program, and uh, mainstream voucher, and emergency housing voucher. Um, and as Kimberly mentioned earlier, we are, um, we are receiving more and more vouchers in the past couple of years. Uh, as the chart um, illustrated, um, both were uh, individual voucher or, or as a whole um, total number of vouchers, uh, we can see the increasing trend. Uh, but for 2023, um, 2,194 housing choice voucher uh, are projected to be leased out on a monthly basis um, 177 mainstream voucher, 117 uh, housing choice, uh, so, sorry, emergency, emergency housing voucher are projected to be leased on a monthly basis. Housing choice voucher administration fee from HUD is budgeted at 85% eligibility. Public housing operating subsidy is projected at 95% of eligibility. Uh, here, I just want to explain a little bit about uh, what eligibility means and what, what this proration um, means or what's the reason for this proration. Um, so the, the way that the housing choice voucher administration fee is, is calculated or determined is uh, the HUD will use a formula based on the number of units that a housing authority administered to calculate how much or the dollar amount of administration fee a housing authority is eligible for. And the card will collect this information uh, nationwide from all the housing authorities. And based on the total eligibility uh, nationwide in comparison with uh, the funding that's provided to HUD uh, via the appropriation uh, process, HUD would determine um, the percentage that they can, they can, um, they will use to prorate the eligibility and provide funding to housing authorities. Um, and in the past, the number uh, has been around 70, uh, you know, from the 70 increasing to to 80 percent, and in recent years it, it has come to mid 80s. So we're seeing a, a increasing um, um, proration um, factor 
but still were still you know under subsidized was still for $100, let's say making, it, uh, making up some number, we, for $100 that we're eligible for, we're only receiving $85, $85 um, for administration fee. And similarly, uh, two HCV program, but uh, you know, separate, it's a separate process, public housing um, operation. Uh, public housing operating subsidy operation is separately determined um, um, considering the funding that's available to HUD for public housing program. And for 2023, we are projected at 95% uh, uh, eligibility. 99% uh, of the occupancy is projected for Murray Housing uh, Public Housing Program for 2023. Uh, next page, please. For capital expenditures, uh, $320,000 uh, is budgeted for quad property. Um, and quad properties are... Uh, Bradley House, Fairfax, Asbel Cook, and Sundance. 320,000 is budgeted for quad property, these four properties, uh, which will be funded by, uh, by their own operating revenue. Separately, 163,000 is budgeted for Marin Housing MHA management improvement, um, and uh, 800, around 898,000 is for capital improvement for all six property in the public housing program. And that includes all the all six properties, Golden Gate Village, Casanova, Golden High, Homestead Terrace, Cougar Pines, and Venetia Oaks. And both the MHA management improvement and the, the capital improvement for all six properties uh, will be both funded by the HUD capital fund grants. And the detail for this uh, the spending for the capital fund grants are in the HUD-approved five-year plan. So the uh, full budgets and, and supplementary information have been sent to fi uh, finance subcommittee as well as the residents' as advisory board for review and discussion. Um, once, this, uh, once and if this budget is approved, any revision to the budget, to the approved budget, will, will be required to to send to the board of commissioner for approval. Um, with everything being said, we believe that uh, 2023 uh, is going to be another uh, good year for Marin Housing to continue providing housing services to the Marin community. And with that, uh, that concludes my uh, presentation. Thank you very much. Uh, excellent presentation, and we have the backup spreadsheets, but you simplified things here. And then uh, just so for folks who are listening and who maybe don't have the um, detailed spreadsheets, they actually are breakdowns on each property um, with summaries and a lot of detail. So with that, I'm thinking there might be some questions. Anybody want to start off here? Sarah, think Ms. K uh, Commissioner Canton says she did a great job. 
uh, uh, Commissioner Canson and myself and, and Commissioner Rodoni also are, uh, sit on an ad hoc budget or finance committee, and we did get this previewed for us. But Commissioner Rodoni. Yeah, thanks, Nick, for the presentation and the update, and it looks like a very sound budget. I'm looking out in the future a little bit and wondering about the transition that we're going to be making to Section 18 and how how the budgets might work, and I don't expect you to answer this today, but at some point in the future, it might be interesting to hear how all that's gonna work out. <laughs> will the capital dollars, for example, stop at some point, and when will that be? And will that mean that, that that's when the construction's beginning, at the end? So those kind of questions about how this all works in the future, but I appreciate the budget this year, and I appreciate the fact that um, you know we've had such large increases to support the cost of renting in Marin, so. Thank you. Commissioner Arnold. Oh, your light is on, so. All right. All right, okay. It's Christmas. Anyone to my left, any questions at this point? Okay, I, I have some comments, but no questions. Uh, so we'll go to the public. Um, I don't see anyone here in the chambers uh, with a question so um, or comment. So Al, is anybody online? Yes, Rose McLemore, please unmute. Yes, uh, we went through some of this last night. My question is, uh, Kimberly Carroll is making over $200,000 a year. I would like uh, a request, and I'll put that request in writing, how much money is actually being spent for the various and various uh, consultants and what, how much money that they are getting paid for contract per year. Because as I look through that, you know, basically all Kimberly has to do is sign her name. She's got all these consultants around her doing the work. So I, I, I want to, uh, at, that, at that cost, how many consultants and what is their pay? And it's more than just uh, now Mike is an employee and, and Adrian too, but the various consultants for the past year. Not to mention how, in fact, um, how they, you know, you talk about the residents and this, that, and the other. I, as a resident, had last month, and I showed uh, what Fred Patterson, a $344 utility bill for one month. I'm low income. So it's a joke. Ha, ha, ha. That I have to pay this while you're talking about, oh, uh, we'll get to it whenever we can get to it. That's a shame for you and them. Sniggle, sniggle, sniggle. How much, for real? President Rice, there are no additional speakers in the queue. Okay, um, Commissioner Moulton-Peters. Well, uh, just a clarification on the last point. I, I believe our tenants receive uh, energy subsidies of some sort. Could you clarify that uh, for their, to offset the cost of their monthly bills? Yes, every year we we evaluate the cost of the of PG&E and all the all the all the utilities, and then we adjust the utility allowance. So every resident gets a utility allowance. In most cases, and uh, the utility allowance does cover the cost of the of the uh, of the utility. We also really encourage all of our families to participate in the Lee Heat program, which is a PG&E program that helps reduce the cost for 
residents of low income, which would even drop the cost of their PG&E more than others. But, but there is a utility allowance that's incorporated in, so everyone, um, all the units get them depending upon the different types of utilities that are, they have in each unit. And these offset the cost, essentially, of the utility bill? Is they that... offset the cost of the rent. So in essence... For the cost of the utilities. Correct. Correct. Okay. So there's sort of there's a balancing mechanism here. Yes, there is. Um, okay. I just, I guess I wanted to comment a couple things. Uh, one, um, year over year, I actually... Um, I referred to those spreadsheets. It, it, there really is a detailed breakdown on all the properties. It what did not used to be the case that uh, the various properties, whether it was Vest Pockets or Isabel Cook or whatever, were actually operating. They were all, many of them were operating in the red, and so actually the budget's been really sound now uh, across the properties. Not enough money, obviously, um, especially around Golden Gate Village, um, in terms of the monies that were coming through HUD to take care of things, but in terms of the accounting for dollars and cents, I um, just really appreciate the work and, and the detail. And then I just really want to call out the, um, the uh, increased expansion in the number of vouchers we have um, you know, across types, whether it's uh, the housing choice vouchers, uh, the mainstream or the emergency. Those have been something that this housing authority has really um, been so successful at, pulling down more vouchers, which means that there are more folks of very low income who are able to um, um, be afforded um, a subsidy and an ability to actually afford a home um, here in, in Marin County, to lease a home, to rent a home. Um, at the same time, I think it's been a boon for our landlords. Um, it's, if you look at the numbers, I think it's about $27 million more coming in in rent. If you look at, I did the math, it looks like rents increase, uh, the average rent went up from about 1800 per unit across units on average to $2,100 a unit. That's rough numbers. Um, that's reflecting the increase in the cost of living here in Marin County. Um, but those are monies coming into our community. So anyway, um, it, is a good, it is a good news story, and um, I appreciate it doesn't happen by magic. It, it means that the housing authority is being successful placing vouchers and helping folks land vouchers, and not with as successfully with some as others, but we need to make that 100% utilization and that, that, that high utilization rate, and then you all going after the grants to pull down more means that we pull down more. So I just wanna throw out kudos there, and it's a big part of the program and how we house, help, help folks get housing here in Marin County. So um, I'm with that, I'll go to public comment. I don't think I did that yet, right? Oh, okay, good. I'll bring it to a vote, sorry. Um, so looking for a motion. Yes. Thank you. Go ahead, motion. Motion to approve the 2023 um, budget for Marin Housing Authority. Motion, Canson. Second, Moulton Peters. Okay, Moulton Peters. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. And that is unanimous. So with that, we will move on to item 15E, and I will hand it over to you, Kimberly. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have Nick talk about this as well as our, our write-offs for the Housing Authority. Uh, this item is for um, 
writing off the public housing program tenant accounts receivable. As HUD regulation require, public housing authority will write off uncollectible tenant receivable for public housing program at fiscal year end. And the balance for fiscal year end 2022 is um, $31,291.88. This amount is considered uh, is consisting of rent and other charges. Tenants for whom we are writing off the, the debts have either moved out of, out of the program or have deceased. After necessary actions that have been taken, the balance I'm presenting today is considered uncollectible. Uh, and we are seeking your approval for the proposed write-off uh, of the above-mentioned balance from Murray Housing's book. Questions? So this wasn't money that could have been, was this like money, uh, rent owed, oh, you said like death or, or collectible? So this wasn't from COVID? No, this is not from Oh, okay. Okay, uh, is there any members of the public like to speak on this item? Al, anyone online? Yes, Eva, please unmute. Thanks. Uh, I just wanted to point out um, something that um, Commissioner Rice had said at approximately 3.22 p.m. on this recording. Um, she said that uh, an increase in rents was overall a win for the community uh, because it's money going into the community. Um, landlords getting more rent, and I think the numbers she quoted are not in line with what uh, people are experiencing in terms of increases. She uh, noted a, a modest increase um, from 1,800 to 2,100 a month, 23. That's wow. Um, I'm getting reports from people looking for apartments right now in Marin County that are much, much higher. Uh, the the increases, whatever size they're looking for, are much more dramatic than that. Giving more money to landlords is not a win for the community because the tenants are the people who are doing the essential labor. Um, they're, you know, they're working in convalescent homes. Um, they're, they're doing janitorial work. Um, they are very frequently, uh, more often than not, they are uh, the victims of wage theft by their employees who are often landlords. Uh, you know, uh, Economic Policy Institute did a study and found that in the 10 most populous states, uh, wage theft uh, was estimated at approximately $8 billion a year. And that may not seem like a lot of money, but when it's coming out of the pockets of the poor, um, it really, really costs. And so when you're, when you're allowing rents to rise like that and you're calling it a win for the community, you really, it's almost like a record scratch. You really gotta ask yourself, what on earth were you thinking when you said that? But what on earth are we thinking when we allow that? And I wanna point out just how dramatic uh, the increase in property values in Marin County has been, um, certainly since I was a kid, I'm 54. Thank you, um, Eva. You know, and, and The next speaker is Rose McLemore, please unmute. Yes, I just want to uh, direct to Stephanie Moulton Peters. I'm very much aware of utility allowances and have been, as a matter of fact, uh, I saw the wrongdoing that was done and questioned it 
took it to HUD, uh, and in fact, I, I'm the reason why many residents are getting their money because of the uh, wrong calculations done by the housing authority. So the $344 that I had to pay for one month's rent, not two or three, is still an, an issue because we do need the double pane windows. And yes, I'm aware of what you're talking about and have been aware longer than you. Thank you. President Rice, there are no additional speakers in the queue. All right, bringing it back here, looking for a uh, motion to approve item 15E. I'll make that motion. Motion. Moulton Peters, this is for the tenant's account receivable. Second, Canton, all those in favor? Aye. Aye. And that's unanimous. And now we're on to our last item, which is uh, open time for public expression for this meeting for items that are not on our agenda. And Al, is there anyone online? Yes, Barbara Borgard, please unmute. Yes, thank you. I wasn't going to speak today because I'm really sick, but I have to ask you commissioners, if you're troubled or even aware of the discrepancies between what MHA staff is saying is happening and what the residents are telling you is happening. The residents are saying they're not getting promised vouchers, the heat isn't working, the windows don't insulate, the gas is leaking, there's still mold, and all you're hearing from the staff is everything's wonderful. If Ms. Panson, who is a commissioner, wasn't aware of those meetings with staff, don't you think it's possible that MHA staff has not done a good job of communicating about them? I don't know how you can budget all that money for new employees and spend that kind of money on staff management of improvement when you can't find money for windows or for heat. You know, as far as those resident meetings go, the one was last Friday. Now, I wasn't there, but the report I got on it was that there were no residents there other than members of the resident council who were there to check on what MHA staff was doing and the two residents of Golden Gate Village who were on the MHA payroll. How is that considered resident meetings or resident input. I just, I wonder why I'm not hearing anything like what I'm saying from any of you commissioners. All you're talking about is how wonderful MHA is when that's not what you're hearing from the residents. Thank you. The next speaker is Royce McLemore, please unmute. Just to, to piggyback more on that, uh, yes, I was there. And like I told both Mike and Adrian, you, you have it backwards from the beginning. You needed to include the residents, the resident council. Yes, we were there and we'll be there uh, to see exactly what do, what do we need? And, you know, well, we don't have the money. But then they turned around and said, well, if we could get 
a strong letter from the resident council, maybe with your utility bill, we'll, and uh, you know, we'll take it to the county for the 106 process. Because while they're talking about putting uh, backs in, in people's yards, that's gonna go through the 106 process in months. They can't, can't just get a rubber stamp and think they're just gonna invade the, uh, and create adverse effects in people's yards. So, you know, you're playing games, but you're only playing them for yourself. We know the truth. And what? That's why I'm free to tell you the truth. And you, hopefully, one day will be set free because it's gross mismanagement that has been going on to this very, very day. Thank you. The next speaker is Gerald Page. Please unmute. Good afternoon. I am another person who is sitting here listening to the dichotomy between what I'm hearing from MHA and what the residents are saying. And I want to remind you all that there are many people in this county who listen to these recordings and who also will be struck by this. Yes, we have a trust issue. There's been a trust issue for many years and you all know things that have happened that have not improved that. Now, some of it has disappeared from the county and hopefully will not return, but you still have this issue. And it appears to me that if you are thinking of moving ahead with an administrative structure to do this rehabilitation, there is yet more work to be done to make this system work better. Everybody says they're trying, everybody says they're listening, everybody says, oh, we go to the meeting if we know about the meeting, which apparently we don't always know, um, but it's not working. And you need to put more effort into finding out why is it not working and how can it be made to work together? We all know there's not enough money, but if people are treated with respect and there's an explanation of why something cannot be done, maybe you could, as has been suggested, readjust your expectations and work better together to get more resolution instead of this continuing, unfortunate, really distasteful process that is playing out every time you have one of these meetings. Thank you. The next speaker is Eva, please unmute. Well, uh, you know, it's amazing listening to these uh, angry white homeowning women um, who are so irate about this process. You'd almost think that there hadn't just been an election wherein they could have leveraged some power um, that, you know, in the electoral process. They could have demanded that Damon Connolly, before he graduated to the state assembly, which most of these women supported, uh, they could have demanded that he take action, that he, uh, that he apologize, that he make amends, that he actually do something. He was on this commission. They did not do that. They could have demanded that Damon Connolly's aide, uh, a former medical malpractice attorney who did not represent consumers, but who represented doctors and dentists, they could have demanded that knowing that she would be the likely replacement for Damon Connolly on this uh, commission, 
they could have demanded that she do something, that she make promises, that she guarantee that she would take action. I'm sorry, the train is right behind me, so it's going to be a little noisy. But none of that happened. I think you need to, I think, I think these people who basically presented themselves as one thing, you know, you need to kick the tires a little harder on your own car and ask yourselves what you're really doing. Because when you had an opportunity to leverage the election to help Golden Gate Village, you just let it slide right past you. The refusal of Bogard and Bennett ever to broach the larger land claim in Marin City is irresponsible. And I think it is quite telling of what their real motivations are. The Risley letter should be discussed. It should be on the agenda of this housing authority at the next meeting. Trustee Melissa, no additional speakers in the queue. All right. So with that, we will adjourn and say happy end of 2022 and see you all in 2023. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.